Keep your Bibles open, please, to Revelation chapter 19. There's something that goes on in our world, probably more than anything else. And it goes on in heaven all the time. Worship. All of us spent this last week in worship. Might not have been the right kind of worship, but we worship. That which has our heart, that which we give our time, our attention, that which we desire, that which we are enthusiastic about, reveals who and what we worship. Here in this uh, chapter, in Revelation chapter 19, we're going to be looking at what we can call the three notes of worship. Amen, hallelujah, and hallelujah. And see how it not only goes on in heaven, but it should be the three notes of our lives toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we ask for the ministry of the Spirit of God upon us, that we would hear the word of the Lord. And for this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In sort of introducing the message today, I don't know if you've thought about it or not, but especially the epistles, and I would suppose really when anyone who is an author of a book in the Bible was moved upon by the Spirit of the Lord to write, they were writing specific messages that God wanted. And we can focus in on the epistles and say, These God-breathed messages were especially for local churches and then ultimately for the church at large until Jesus comes. As a pastor, a typical path for me is that I become burdened or quickened about something that I believe is needed in this local church That's always my primary concern as to purposes, goals, something that God wants to emphasize to all of us. And so I commonly have guidance to write a newsletter or to preach a message on something again that is on my heart for this congregation And I think if you're honest, you'll say that on every case, and on the part of those, whoever stands in our pulpits and whoever will stand tonight, which will happen to be Adam, in this fellowship, it will be filled with the Word of God. Hallelujah. What's been on my heart this week is worship. If you read the newsletter article... You saw an article filled with scriptures about a call for a revival of congregational worship. I hope that you will not only have read it, I hope you'll go home and read it again. I hope you'll say, Lord, speak to us like a congregation. 
We want to heed what you're saying. In the verses that were just read in Revelation chapter 19, 1 through 6, the amen and the hallelujahs of worship, I want to first of all give a little context to what we're reading in Revelation chapter 19. As you know, God gave the revelation to the Apostle John at a time when he was in great persecution. He would been arrested, taken off to the Isle of Patmos, probably about in his mid-80s, probably doing hard labor. A time when the Roman Empire was running red with the martyr of saints. And you can imagine in that kind of setting, is there any hope? What happened to hope? Is there any future? And so in the last book of the Bible, we're shown some amazing things. Among them is an old, old story dating back to Genesis, the present and future fury of Satan and his demons. We're also shown the building up of the Antichrist system. People who hate God, people who hate his word, people who love to attack those who follow Jesus. And we're also shown something in Revelation that is not a new theme. It's been a theme certainly since the days of Noah. Something of the present, we could also say the past, the present, and the future wrath of God. And one of the things that the Revelation does for us is it teaches us to praise and worship God because of his wrath. Rather amazing to us. So, more along those lines, in Revelation chapter 18, we're warned of what could be termed the Babylon spirit. There is a spirit, there is a system, far more than any specific city. There may be in the future a specific city that's elevated to be the head of all of this. But the point of it is, is that there is a system that saturates our world. A system of greed and get, lust and hate, based on human reasoning and self-salvation. And it makes demands. It demands submission. It demands worship. I don't know how much you've thought about it, but if you don't think you're a worshiper, you're really blind. We are worshipers. The question is, who has our heart? Who are we worshiping? Now, uh, so this system makes great calls for worship and submission. But as you look in chapter 18, verse 4 and 5, God says he's going to judge this system. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, and be ye not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not her plagues, for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her 
iniquities. Sometimes we think, let me just back up. If you think that God is not going to even the score, you think if God said in Romans that vengeance is mine, I'll repay, but he hasn't done it, so he ain't going to do it, he's going to do it. So in Revelation 18, there is the unfolding of climactic days when God's sudden and decisive destruction of the worldwide Babylon spirit begins to take place. And it's all unfolded there in Revelation 18. We'll read just a couple more. Verse 8, and therefore shall her plagues come in one day, a short period of time. Verse 18, verse 17, or chapter 18, verse 17, and, and in one hour her great riches will come to naught. Verse 19, and they will cast dust upon her head, they will cast dust upon their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city when were made rich, all that had ships on the sea by reason of her costliness. For in one hour, she's made desolate. There's a world system out there that demands worship, that demands submission, offers a lot of good trinkets, wealth, a lot of other things. It's headed for judgment. So this brings us to Revelation chapter 19 where we find the word of God telling us, after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord God, for true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again, they said, hallelujah. And her smoke rose up. So all heaven is rejoicing. When the day comes that God attacks destructively, mightily, the Babylon system. What an amazing sight. Now on the heels of this judgment and wrath, heaven erupts in worship, in praise. Why? Because God has judged the great whore, Babylon. You may remember earlier in the book of Revelation, in chapter 6, that there are those who are among the redeemed, and they are crying out, Lord, when are you going to do this? How long, O Lord? Holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood? And that's been the cry of many of God's people throughout the centuries in times of great trouble and trial and tribulation. Lord, when are you going to judge the world? Where is justice? Well, the timing is not in our hand. God's timing is perfect. And so we get to Revelation chapter 19, verse 1 and 2. 
And God has broken in on the scene in a mighty way. The question for today is, as we look at Revelation chapter 19, verse 1 and 6, 1 through 6, is not just to say, now, I want to tell you how this is going to play out. This nation is going to do this, and this nation is going to do that, and then God's going to do this, and then God's going to do that. There are a lot of people who go to town on that, and they love it. And the preachers love it. But I want us to do something different. What can we glean from Revelation 19, verse 1 through 6, that will be important to you this afternoon, Monday morning, and the rest of your life? There are great lessons in worship here. And so we're going to draw from this passage three notes of worship. Drawing from a concept that is rampant in Scripture. The word Amen or Amen and Hallelujah. I think we know that the word Amen means so be it, Lord. There is no godly worship unless when we respond to the word of God, we read the word of God, and there has to be in our heart and or on our lips, amen. If you read the newsletter carefully, and if you didn't, go home and read it. Not because it's anything I've got to say, it's just full of scripture. And one of the things it does, it pulls from a lot of places in scripture where in the context of worship, there are mighty amens. It's not an option. It's a natural response. Well, I'd rather clap. It's funny, but in the worship scenes in Scripture, we don't have clapping. We have amen. You can clap and you liked it, you enjoyed it, uh, you, whatever. But when from your heart you say amen, you're saying, so be it, Lord. That's different. That's worship. The specific amen of worship in Revelation 19 is a right response to the justice God is pouring out. And this doesn't strike very well with Americans. On a fairly regular basis, I hear people, I read where people are writing I don't see why God doesn't save everybody, and I don't see how God can be a God of love and a God of justice if he doesn't save everybody. And I read my Bible, and I get a different message. We ought to be astounded that he saves anybody, and especially me. For we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and we all deserve his Justice. Genuine worship has to do with the right response to the holy wrath of God. Turn back to Revelation chapter 16. And I heard a great voice from heaven saying... Go your ways, he's speaking to various angels. Go your ways and pour out the vows of wrath upon the earth. The vows of the wrath of God upon the earth. 
And he explains some of that. Where it's going, what it's going to affect. And then you get to verse 5 in chapter 16. And I heard the angel of the water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and was and shall be, because you have judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou shalt give them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. The principle is clear. When God speaks... And gives revelation of himself, of his holiness. He gives revelation of his justice. He gives his commands. He gives his instructions. The essence of of worship is to submit, to obey, to agree, to say amen. You're right, Lord. And you're worthy of praise. Let's be honest. It doesn't take a lot for us to back up when we hear words like obedience, submission, forgive, sacrifice, suffering, take up your daily cross. God speaks and we don't want to say amen. So be it, Lord. Oh, we've read our Bible. We've been to the worship service. We've preached the message. But if there's no amen, there's been no worship that God accepts. There's no obedience. There's no submission, no forgiveness, no sacrifice, no suffering, no loving as Christ loved, no daily cross. There's no genuine worship that God accepts. True worship to God is to be done in our daily living as we, as we surrender and submit to the Word of God on Monday. For example, let's say that you happen to be reading in Ephesians uh, chapter 4 and happens to be your place that you've gotten to and you turn your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 4 and begin starting with verse 27. Let him that uh, neither give place to the devil, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor uh, working with his hands, that which is good that he may have to give to him that needs. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed to the day of redemption. Let all bitterness except... Oh, there's no except, is there? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice... And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Now, if I'm worshiping God, the true and the living God, 
there's only one acceptable response. Yes, Lord. Amen. So be it in my life. And Lord, help my brothers and sisters to walk in that same path. Help them with the amen. But especially, help me to walk in that path. These are not suggestions. These are not nice ideas. There's nothing here that if they deserve it. Well, you don't know what they did to me. That doesn't matter. That doesn't count. The only thing that counts, this is the word of God. And we either submit or we don't. We either worship God or we worship ourselves. We worship ourselves by placing ourselves and our opinions and our ideas above God. The greatest idol on the face of the earth is not some giant Buddha in some foreign country. Wow. Or some idol in some cathedral somewhere. The greatest idols on the face of the earth is the idol of self. Of placing my will above everything else. There are many, many, uh, where can you turn in the scripture but that we are confronted with, this is the will of God, this is the word of God, this is God's word for me. Amen. So be it. Not my will, but yours. This is the first note of all true worship. And there will not be a day in your life, but you and I will need to worship with a godly amen. Then the second note of worship there in chapter 19 verse 4 is hallelujah. Which simply means to praise God. All true worship is relevant to daily living. It takes place in daily life. When we cry out amen. Accepting the will of God. But it's not an amen with a long face. If I have to, no. It's an amen with a hallelujah. We serve a risen Savior. He's, he's seated in heaven. He's ascended. He's uh, intercedes. He's coming back. He's going to destroy all evil. And so we can face life looking at what he's doing and what he's going to do with an amen and a Hallelujah. But not only on amen and hallelujah based on what he's doing, but I'm to walk in his steps. So my life is to manifest amen and hallelujah. There's a man named James Hannington who was a missionary in Uganda some years ago, and he wrote in his diary, I felt like they were coming upon me to murder me. But I sang safe in the arms of Jesus and laughed at the agony of my situation. They're coming to murder him. But his demeanor, his heart is focused on I'm safe in the arms of Jesus. And I laughed at the agony of my situation. That's worship. That's worship with an amen and an hallelujah. We know the story of Paul and Silas. They're beaten. They're bloody. 
At midnight, they're singing. Amen. Hallelujah. And just what is the deep root of this joy that can sing in the midst of and through the darkness? What's the root of it? There's a third note. It's not just a repetition note of hallelujah. But in verse 6, it's really the hallelujah of assurance of God's victory. He says there, the Spirit of God moving John's pen. And I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude and the voice of many waters and the voice of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. If that's not on the front page of our repertoire of things that we say and sing, we need to get in line with Scripture or else we'll fall flat on our face. Life can be hard in a fallen world. And sometimes we can grow weary saying amen if we don't follow through with a hallelujah, hallelujah, which is rooted in all that Christ has done, all that he is doing, and that he is the conqueror of all the powers of darkness at their worst. He has gloriously triumphed. He's coming back. He judges a great harlot. He avenges the blood of all of his servants. And therefore I will not be dismayed as a child of God because my enemy is defeated. Christ is victor. And I have victory in him. So we rest in what he's done. And we hope in what he shall do. Do you not remember? Do I not remember that Jesus has said that if we don't have hope, we are all men most miserable. He's talking about in the context of the wonder and the power and the necessity of the resurrection. Well, this is all resurrection truth. And if you're going through life and you do not have confident expectation of what Messiah is coming to do and is going to do and is doing right now, you'll be wringing your hands oh, every time you see the news. Oh, look what's happening. Oh, look what's happening. Oh, uh, the Democrats have done this. Oh, the Republicans have done this. And the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And you're wringing your hands. What's going to happen? The trouble in the churches today is people know more about all of that than they do about this. Those things will come and go and pass. But in the midst of it all, there's a God in heaven who is ruling on earth. He never ends a day wringing his hands saying, oops, I couldn't do what I wanted to do. And so the hallelujah here is resting in what he's done, what he's doing, what he shall do, and what we are in him, and what he's going to do for us. History records, I'm sure you've never heard of this man, you may have heard of the second one. Statius Quadratus. 
Mimeo Stadius, don't you? Well, he has a bit of infamy about him. He murdered a great hero of the faith named Polycarp. Some of you have maybe heard of Polycarp. He was a pastor at the church at Smyrna sometime after we think maybe John may have been a pastor there. And so, oh, Quadratus arrested Polycarp. And the judge stood before Polycarp and said, Renounce your faith. Curse the name of Christ. And Polycarp said, For 86 years I've served him. He never did me wrong. How then can I revile my king and my savior? That's the amen of worship. Then the record of church history reads... Polycarp was murdered, Stadius Quadratus being governor of Asia, and Jesus Christ being king forever. The church was resting in the hallelujah of who Christ is, what he's done, faith in that, amen, And confident expectation for what he's going to do. I have nothing to lose in laying down everything for Jesus. That's the hallelujah of worship. Rooted and grounded in a hope that is sure. Based on the victory of Jesus. No matter how dark are the things on your plate. No matter how dark things are going to get in our world. No matter how difficult life is going to be. With the amen of worship. With the hallelujah of worship. We can cry out safe in the arms of Jesus. Amen. So let it be. I accept the will of God. I lay down all of my excuses. I lay down my rebellion. I take God's point of view. So be it. I'm resting in Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. In his time, he'll settle all the scores. He is risen. He is king. He is Lord. Hallelujah. I can't lose. He's omnipotent. He reigns. And I reign in him. I have victory because of Jesus. The hallelujah and the amen of worship. Where are we this morning? Who are we worshiping? Is our worship of Jesus Christ something that we're dependent upon Somebody to come and stand in front of me once a week and pump me up. All over America today, there are people who sit in front of congregations and they're pumping them up. Trying to get them them rolling, get some emotion, get some feeling, get some jumping up and down. You can jump and down and do whatever you want to, but if there's no amen and there's no hallelujah, there is no worship. And it's not enough just to say amen. 
It has to be from the heart. But this coming week, there should be many amens and hallelujahs under our breath and through our lips. Because we have a fresh vision of who Jesus is, his worthiness, what he's accomplished, what he's doing now, what he shall do. And at the end of the day, all this other stuff is going to be buried in oblivion, destroyed. And there's going to be a wedding day. Of all the redeemed of all ages. And for all eternity, we'll worship him and praise him. Now it's time to be getting ready for heaven. Walking down the road of life. So much less conflict is when we're saying amen to Jesus. The conflict, the troubles, the agonies, the, the tears, the, the, the bleeding is because I wasn't saying amen to Jesus. I was saying amen to me or saying amen to culture. Jesus is calling us to worship. He's worthy. Hallelujah. What a savior. Treasure his word. When he calls you or me down a path and the call is to say amen, he's not leading us down a path that's going to take something good away from us. He's leading us down a path of righteousness for his namesake. He's preparing us for an eternity of worship. If you're here and you've never come to faith in Christ, it begins with an amen. God says we've all sinned. We've come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Repent, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved. Amen, Lord. Amen, Lord. And you're here and you're burdened down with something. You can't change it. Or you could change it if somebody would let you. (laughs) And you lay it down. And you cease striving. And if they're an enemy, you say, I'm giving that to you, Lord. You have an assignment. Your assignment is that you'll take care of the vengeance. And you've given me an assignment to love them, to bless them, to pray for them, to do good to them. Amen, Lord. They don't deserve it. You didn't deserve all that when I gave that to you. What a wonderful Savior. What a profound simplicity. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our Father. We want your name to be glorified. We want to leave here as seven-day-a-week worshipers. We want to go down the path of the profound simplicity that the heavenlies exhort and model for us. You're worthy. May your kingdom come and your will be done today. In Jesus' name, amen.